I'm Jess McCauley, and I'm a theater maker, and I am also an introvert. I'm Phil Rickaby. I'm a writer and performer, and I am also an introvert, and this is The Introvert's Guide to. On the Introvert's Guide 2, we talk about the introvert life and how to live it to the fullest. We'll choose a topic and discuss it, as well as try to find other helpful hints on social media and on the internet at large. If you want to drop us a line, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at introvertguide2, the number two, and you can find the website at introvertsguide2.com. If you want to send us a message, you can do that through the website, or you can email us at introvertsguidetostuff at gmail.com. And remember, we may use your questions or comments on an upcoming episode of The Introvert's Guide too. And if you like the podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a comment and a five-star rating. Your comments and ratings help new people to find the show. But even better, whether you listen on Apple, Google, uh, uh, but even better, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you know someone that you think might like The Introvert's Guide too, tell them about it. Some of our favorite podcasts became our favorites because someone we know told us about them. I am going to start us off. Okay. My good sir. My good sir. Before we before you do that, I just want to, I need to point out something is... Um, Right before we started to record, you went and you were like, I really need a glass of wine. So you've got a <laughs> glass of wine going. This is like the first episode we've ever done that's that's been wine powered. So introverts, you. thank you. Introverts, buckle up. It was a long day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all I, right. Thank you. And if anyone's wondering, it is a red, it's a Merlot, it's quite lovely. I live in Niagara, so wine country is a flowing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about something that I'm sure quite a few introverts have had a relation with, um, as we have with any other topic that we do. But with this one in particular, this can be quite, quite mentally straining for some, and that is perfectionism. So Phil, as a theater creator, what is your relationship with perfectionism? Do you have a hard time maybe letting go of your babies? <laughs> this is a really difficult question. I used to have a really hard time letting go of my babies. You know, I find the deadlines are really good at forcing you to let go of your babies. Once you've realized, like, if you're you're like, oh, this, I love this part of this thing that I've that I'm making. I really love it, but somehow it doesn't fit perfectly it's not quite right and you end up having to to cut it and the only thing that makes you certain that you can cut it is is like i don't know you're like i open next week and i can't make it work or whatever it might be but aside from that perfectionism has been a real journey for me because you can finesse something forever until you have a reason to stop right Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think at that point, I do need intervention. 
I do need somebody to step in and say, okay, enough's enough. You have to let it go. The deadline's coming up. You do open next week. You have reworked the story. Or if it's something personally I have been working on and there is no intervention, Mm. the sad part is, is that sometimes those things never see the light of day because I can't let them go. And then I don't even meet my own personal deadlines. Well, I mean, remember the reason, like I was only able to complete uh, my my solo play, The Commandment, because I was like, the only way I'm ever going to be able to do this is if I have to perform it. And so I applied to and got into a fringe festival. And so it had to be finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got some great advice from some other people who were who were able to give me some advice early on after getting into the fringe, which was like, set a date after which you cannot edit. Mm, Like it is done at that point. You were no longer the writer. You were only the performer because if you keep being able to, to write it, you will continue to write it until right before you perform it. And you will never actually feel prepared. And you know, what's so true too, is that one thing, I feel that we as artists or anybody in, in actually in any field is that sometimes imperfect is much more authentic than having mm-hmm. refined something to its like just to its core. You don't need to do that. I think we rob ourselves of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's imperfection actually is a lot more uh relatable mm-hmm. um and 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 sometimes more more honest. You know what I mean? It's like something that is imperfect, whether it's on stage or or somewhere else. There's, it's the little imperfections that make something just that much more valuable in some ways. Yeah, it's certainly more human. Nobody likes the perfect play where everything just perfectly works out every single scene. I mean, that where's the drama, right? Well, because that feels that feels like unreal. Right. Mm-hmm. If every, you get to the end and everything is tied up in a little bow, you know, the people are going to be walking out and be like, well, wasn't everything just tied up in a perfect little bow as though that's <laughs> a bad thing. And it kind of is. It's OK to leave things hanging. With that being said, I'm going to read you something about your personality type, which okay, is okay. ISFP. Yes, yes. And, and uh, on the Myers-Briggs. ISFP. On the Myers-Briggs, yes. And you tell me if this is something that resonates with you, okay? All right, let me have it. ISFPs are not perfectionists by nature since they are rather laid-back individuals. They enjoy soaking up the beauty in life and will often find enjoyment in the imperfections around them. They understand that nothing in life is perfect and will not hold themselves to these insane standards. ISFPs live very much inside their own worlds and are extremely connected to their emotions, and they would rather live life enjoying the present moment than spending each second obsessing over imperfections. I would say that is accurate. Nice. It's like a good zodiac reading. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like I would say that 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 aspect is pretty accurate. I don't stress about the imperfections. But I wasn't always that way. Right. You know, you shift throughout your life. I used to stress about the imperfections a lot. And now I've I've grown to 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 sort of be able to just let things be. Mm-hmm. That's a good distinction. Letting things be rather than letting things go. I think when you let things be, there's more of an acceptance in that. And that is quite accurate into your 
into your personality type because that is just accepting the beauty of things and the and the humanity of it. Yes, yeah. Jess, do you have one of those for you? I do. <laughs> and and you are a INFP. So INFPs can be known as selective perfectionists. They are only particular about their specific passions. INFPs will not strive to control everything around them and will often be able to let go of things that aren't important to them. They won't stress about the details of a project that holds no emotional value to them and will certainly not be viewed as perfectionists in that situation. On the other hand, INFPs will often attempt to be perfect with the things that mean the most to them. If they enjoy playing music or making art, they may struggle to ever believe their piece is finished. They will continue to work on it, never feeling like they are ready to share it with others. And that was me to a T. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Because I think back to the jobs that I used to have, like, you know, even while doing this podcast, I was doing jobs I didn't like. And I remember walking away from that job going, you know, I don't care how the day went. I don't care if a project didn't get finished. I don't care mm -hmm. if, if I wasn't up to my fullest today, I just want to go home. And now that I am in a space that at work where I feel fulfilled and I love going to my job and, and I love working with the people around me, I very much am a perfectionist when it comes to the projects mm -hmm. that I am assigned to. I want to give an analogy about, you know, and this, this is the analogy is, is regarding theater, but in some ways I think it can be, it can be applicable for a lot of other things. So back to my play, the commandment, I have performed it several times with stretches in between. I performed it first at the, the, the Hamilton Fringe. I went out east to performed it in St. John, New Brunswick and in Halifax, and then another year in Toronto. And each time, you know, I would, you know, before doing the show, before I got to rehearsing, I would look it over and, you know, did the first time, of course, was like, I needed, I'm doing this fringe so I could finish this play. It's got to be good enough. And then I stop. And so the next time I would review it and decide, like, is there anything that was missing? I've performed it now how many times? So I know the play quite well. What's missing? And so I allow myself the luxury of adding to or removing something that after performing it a bunch of times, I, I felt needed changing. And then I perform it again and I learn from the performance. And then again, the third time doing that review and trying to and, and learning from it. It's sort of a, you know, uh, uh, because you can, like I said, I could keep messing with it until it's quote unquote perfect. But um, just now that I know what works and what doesn't, I'm so much more okay with the things that don't quite work that occasionally I'm like, those are fine, but maybe what I needed, was more of this and I can write something or something a bit more. Yeah. I think taking the process to that direction and understanding that, you know, just because something is is done, unless you're working on a project where that's it, you have the one shot and that's it. But to something where you can revisit it, I think accepting that you are not looking to make it better 
in that, you know, it's you're looking to change words, make it the perfect play, make it the perfect piece. Mm -hmm. It's the I'm actually adding more into it that makes this play more in depth. There's something more Mm. humane about it. And and I I have seen the commandment. I've seen, you know, I saw it when you performed it in Toronto outside of a fringe. Um, And it was it was quite awesome. And then to hear that you were making more changes about it is that to me, isn't perfectionism. That to me is no. embracing something in your art and in, in who you are as a person, cause you change. So that's quite lovely. Now, have you ever experienced this where it became problematic to your work in trying to perfect something uh, maybe earlier in your, as a, in your artist days? Yes. I mean, here's the thing. Here's how I used to write. and and. Anybody who's a writer probably recognizes the fact that um, there comes a point where in any writing project where you suddenly are like, everything is garbage. I hate everything. I suck. This sucks. Um, It's terrible. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. And um, at that point, I would have another idea for something else. And I would go. Oh, well, obviously this now sucks and it's terrible and it's garbage. So I need to get rid of it. Forget it. New way, new shiny idea. That's the thing I'm going to work on. Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, everything is good. And then, oh God, I hate everything. It sucks. It's terrible. I'm a terrible writer. You know, the cycle comes again. And the problem is that with each of those things, when I discarded them, I didn't just file them away somewhere. I discarded them. I threw them away. And that's something, number one, you should never do. And as a writer, you should always finish the thing that you're working on, even if a new idea comes up. And understand that that, that moment of that, that period of time where you're like, everything sucks, I suck, this work sucks, everything is terrible, is part of writing. Yeah, see, my point that I found it was becoming problematic was... Uh, two things. Number one is I get quite neurotic when it comes to keeping things clean. And that can go into so many different elements. The one time that I'm referring to in particular was when I was trying to clean up my laptop. And I was trying to get every nook and cranny, every file, go oh. through everything. Oh, it's not going to be good. It's oh, not going to. Be- I can already hear that this is not good. This is not good. I have had that laptop from my from in grade 12 all the way into, yep, I'm getting there. Oh yeah. All the way until two years post-graduation from my university. And I had writing. There's nothing but garbage in there. What are you doing? I had scripts. I had reviews. I had so pictures. And I guess what had happened is while I was in the midst of trying to perfect these folders, I was cramming them all into one space and I just was in such a frenzy to get this done that I guess what I did was delete them. <gasps> and I'm a Mac user. So when things are gone, they're gone. It hurt. It hurt. I took it to, I took it somewhere and said, you find these files, they have to be somewhere. And he was like, I I can't do this for you. I'm sorry. Like, it's really going to be gone. I'm like, find it. So your, your perfectionism really ruined me. It ruined me. I want to ask about 
some some other situations for you that that might have brought up some perfectionism. Mm. Your wedding. <laughs> See, this isn't going to be a good example. <laughs> Why not? I was Why I not? was not a perfectionist for my wedding. Okay. Yeah, no, I was a very chilled bride. Like it was one of those. Like it was to the point where my bridesmaids were trying to figure out what to wear because I told them, "Why don't you guys coordinate something? As long as it's blush pink, that's all I care about." And I see them sending pictures. They're like, but it's not the right shade. I'm like, ladies, ladies, chill out. It's okay. They all showed up in their own different outfits. I, I had, I had, I was hot gluing my decorations. They fell during the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here, because you were reading this description about, about, you know, things that make you a perfectionist and all of this stuff. And, and it seems like the things that you care about the most, you might be the, uh, a perfectionist about. What does that say about the wedding, Jess? What does that say about the wedding? Steve, if you're listening, I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's the wine, okay? <laughs> sure, no, sure. but on all serious, I think like for that, though, I was trying to keep a cool head. I was cramming a year of planning into three months I knew that with the way that I can get with my with my anxiety and mm. and with those with that perfectionism and having the regrets of oh why didn't mm. I do it this way I knew early on I had to go easy on myself I had to be chilled out I will bring it back to when I performed my one woman show in Ottawa because that was a time of perfectionism I was editing in between shows no, I was hating this show so much. No. Oh, I was. I couldn't let it go. Oh, I no. couldn't enjoy the actual moment of being on stage. And if you are a performer, there is nowhere you want to be more than on that stage. That was hard. That's like that is right there. That is the poster for why perfectionism will will hurt you. Yeah, that right there. Yeah. You missed the opportunity to enjoy that fringe experience. And I got good reviews. I got good reviews in Ottawa. It was great. No problem. But it was just, I just couldn't handle the fact that it was really my first time out in a different city in a fringe. And I didn't really know anybody. Mm. And I was having issues with flyering and trying to get things done that I was taking it out on the show instead of treating it mm. as the learning experience that it should have been. You know, the one of the, the fascinating things about about doing that and traveling to a different place to do this thing that you that you love, like that experience, yes, it can be stressful. Yes, it's 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 new, but there's also two things. There's freedom in being in a place where they don't know you. Right? There's no history there. Nobody knows you. So it's a blank slate. Nobody's coming in with any expectations. But also, the one thing about 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 what you were doing there was not trusting mm. the people around you, the audience. They were telling you something, and you were not hearing them mm -hmm. because you were caught up in your own in your own head and taking out all of this stuff on this play. Yeah. No, and that's the thing is that. I think I learned a very valuable lesson in perfectionism and creating and that's mm -hmm. it can quickly go from producing something to share with an audience 
to producing something to feed my own ego. Well, that's the thing Mm -hmm. is that, is that what was, when you're doing something like that, you are no longer doing it for the audience because the audience is telling you one thing Mm -hmm. and you are not trusting them. And so by not trusting them, you are, you're, you're doing it for yourself and you've twisted that, that relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's just it. Right. And it goes to show that it took some time to learn because that was in 2018. I haven't produced anything since. Mm -hmm. And so that learning experience taught me that when it is time for things to open up and we're seeing a surge again and being able to create, you're darn right, I'm going to be out there because I have been creating with the intention Mm -hmm. of letting this be something that I need to say, I need to share, I need to give, and I need to start letting go of my own ego. Because I do think that there is a tad bit of an ego tied to perfectionism. It's not fully because there are many different reasons why we tie ourselves to perfectionism, whether it be we feel that we're not going to live up to standards that people think of us, that we feel we're going to let people down. This is a, if I don't do this right, I'm ruined. That's it. I got no career anymore. And I keep Mm. forgetting that there is coming back. You can come back from these things. You know, one of the things in in those things that you listed, you know, as you're listing them, I was like, no, no, those are all ego. Mm. Those are all ego. All of those things, regardless of how you put it, they're all about your ego. Well, darn. Well, darn. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing is, is kind of like perfectionism takes you to a place that's not healthy. And it's you Mm -hmm. telling yourself that what you're doing is not good enough mm-hmm. right that's the thing is that is it no it has to be a certain way it has to be this it has to be perfect and what is perfect and who is setting that standard and is it is it is it a standard that is beyond what can be attained mm-hmm. the only person that's doing that is you to yourself yeah that is very true. I actually never thought of it that way. You can dress it up as many ways as you want, but no, it's very true. So why yeah. is it that this is this topic here is in this moment introvert specific? Extroverts feel perfectionism too, but how is it, mm-hmm. how is it more introvert specific? Um I think that from for an introvert, I think that perfectionism is something because we spend more time, a bit more time in our heads mm-hmm. that perfectionism becomes a thing that is rattling around in our brain pretty intensely. Right. We're so used to like in-depth conversations. We get sucked into mm-hmm. these vortexes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, and because it's something that we are doing, you know, we are in our brains a lot. We are in our thoughts a lot. And so it's, it's something that we are, we may be keeping internal that we're not saying out loud that um, is just sort of like a thing that we're keeping to ourselves. So it's this internal churning of, of, you know, it needs to be right. It needs to be right. It needs to be, it needs to be this. And it can really be like, like it's a detriment. It's to your detriment that this is, that you're doing this. You ever had successes with it? With perfectionism, yeah, not a single time. My perfectionism <laughs> has has had when I was when I was really sort of like in the perfectionism. It was absolutely something that was just sabotaging me. 
I had a success and it was, uh, it was the time where it was a good thing that I checked because long time ago, I was making a poster for a show. I was doing a favor for a friend and I was slaving away over this more than I had to. I, you know, not, not to sound petty. I wasn't getting paid much for it. It was a favor. So I was doing good work for it, but it was just a, it's going overboard now at this point and it reached Mm -hmm. the deadline. And so it was, I think the night of, I sent it in and something shook me awake at three in the morning, three in the morning. Usually that never happens for me. And I just woke up thinking about this poster. I was like, okay, I could have changed it here. I could have done this to it. Okay. It could have been different font. Why don't we try just reformatting just a little bit? I crack open my laptop and I look at the file that I had sent to the producer of the show. And I caught a bad typo that could have been taken a very derogatory way. And I, I Hmm. felt so relieved that I had actually caught it. That's the only time that Hmm. perfectionism saved me because that could have been incredibly embarrassing. So I took back the file as fast as possible at like the wee hours of the night and I was able to correct it. But other than that, no, I have not been able to figure out a time when perfectionism worked in my favor. There is something to be said because, you know, when I've been making posters for shows that I'm doing, um, I'm very exacting and I want things to be lined up right. Like the aesthetic needs to be right. Mm -hmm. But that's not perfectionism. That's because if it isn't, after the fact, I will see something slightly off and it will drive me mad and other people who are in design, it will drive them mad too. Yep. So it's like, that's not perfectionism. Perfectionism would be like, if I was like changing the font size, like over and over and like continually moving stuff. Once I've got it where I'm like, ah, this aesthetically, this feels right. Mm-hmm. I walk away and I don't need to tweak it anymore. I think perfectionism would be after that point, continuing to change it. And that, and that may have been what happened, but there definitely was a naughty word in there that shouldn't have been. Don't ask me how. Don't ask. But it was there. Just waving. Okay, just wow. waving in the corner just like, waving. hey. It's one terrible yeah, word. Yeah, come nice. get me. Nice. Get me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've known people who are perfectionists. And I think it, it is possible to wear the perfection, your perfectionism as a, as some kind of badge of honor, mm. even as it is sabotaging the work a little bit where you could be like, I'm doing this because I'm a perfectionist and that's the way it should be. Cause then it's perfect. Meanwhile, like as long as you keep tweaking it and doing it over and doing it over and doing it over, um, you're, you're first off robbing yourself of the joy, but, like, because you're wearing it at a badge of as a ban- badge of honor, you're not really seeing the damage that it's that it's doing to you overall. No, it's so true too. I mean, that's like how people brag that I'm so exhausted. I work all the time. I never have downtime, and it's yeah. it's not a good thing. It's not. No, it's like with those people, you want to be like, well, you know, maybe working all the time is the reason why you're so exhausted. Do you think that maybe like some me time might be? 
worthwhile. They're like, no, I love my job. I live to work. And it's like, you need to stop. I know. Like, I just, I, I don't feel that, but that's fine. That's your own mental health. I know people who, I know people who, who, who will say that. And I, sometimes I feel like, like, I don't know if you do. Yeah. Like, if, if you do, why, like, is that living? If you're spending all of that time just working. Where's the joy in your life if 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 it's all work and no play? No, I know. I mean, we over we underestimate how valuable sleep is, how valuable rest is, exploring new hobbies and skills, downtime. Sure. We don't take that into account that that actually fulfills us more than working all the time. I mean, if you're living to work, I'm great, good on you. But yeah. I mean. Those are those those are the same people who will say things like, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, no, no, you won't. You'll be dead. Yeah. Think exactly. Then then we're not having this conversation. <laughs> You're not interested in living. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like people that brag that that's all that they drink is coffee. All I drink is coffee. My blood is coffee. And it's like water. I can't stress what did I touch something on you, Phil? Did I? <laughs> no, no, no. My blood is no. I, I, I mean, there may have been a time when I said that, but it wasn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I drink a lot of coffee. I drink enough. Do you coffee, feel a little seen right now? <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, I I know where coffee is concerned. I stopped drinking coffee in the afternoon. I might have three cups in a day, sometimes four. That's not a problem. That's just that's just life. But in the afternoon, I don't drink it anymore because I, if I do, I've learned I'll be up on that. Yeah, it's starting to get to that point for me as well. But I am also drinking instant coffee again. Um, I broke my coffee pot. I broke. Phil left the room, <laughs> and and Phil's gone. <laughs> you, you just you lost me at instant coffee. I broke my coffee pot. And I just never got my. And you haven't. And you haven't. Like that is an emergency situation. You break the coffee pot. By the next day, you have a new coffee pot. You don't go like, oh, I guess I'll just have instant for the rest of my life. You know what's the worst part too is I actually put instant coffee on my grocery list last week. <laughs> I'm out. I'm gone. Forget it. Phil has left the chat. <laughs> I just never bothered to go get one. And now I'm, and now I'm remembering why I, I'm not a perfectionist with coffee either. Okay. Oh, you don't even care about coffee. Who even is she anymore? Who is Jess? Who is she? We don't know her. I don't know who she is anymore. I listen, this is, this is serious business where I don't, I don't, I don't even know. There's nothing more to say. you Cho, you put like on your on your grocery list. That's premeditated instant coffee. I chose the brand very specifically too. Apparently, I'm a perfectionist with my instant coffee, but not with your instant coffee of all things. I have of all things. I have so many artisanal coffees too. <laughs> I. This this episode, ladies and gentlemen, has ruined ruined Phil and I. This is this, <laughs> this is was it. it. This this podcast this was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it's been three long years. <laughs> it's not the last episode. Just that's rest a joke, easy. That's rest a joke. easy. That's a joke. <laughs> well, now that we've got through that yeah. uh, that uncomfortable topic, shall we go to social? T please. 
On social media, we asked, sometimes we find ourselves paralyzed by a need for perfection. If the task we are working on isn't perfect, why bother going ahead with it? Do you ever find yourself stuck in a perfectionism loop? How do you deal with it? AG said, I show what I'm working on to a very carefully selected someone else. They almost never see the flaws that I do, and it spurs on creative conversation, which can inspire me to push through and finish it. Yes, yes. That's so important. Having that sounding board there, because I, you know, going back to the writing process and sending it over to my director for one of my, you know, fringe shows, they were absolutely that sounding board I needed. They weren't there for me in Ottawa, yeah. unfortunately, but during the London fringe, it was definitely a cross this, cross this, focus on this more. We're going to be working on this. Mm. And it certainly forced that perfectionism out of the way because it would, it definitely would have stifled the, it would have stifled everything. Yeah, having that other voice is a really good way to to have someone who says things like, you know, who sees that, no, this is good. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're thinking like, oh, there's so many things and you could then say, but what about this? And that person could say, but that doesn't matter in the exactly. end. Exactly. Like you're worried, you're worried about this little moment, which actually doesn't have anything to do with the story. You know, yeah. like they can see those things that you're not able to see because you're too far into it. It's that hand that's pulling you out of the vortex. That is important. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Pull-ups said, I want everything to be more than what it is and struggle to find contentment with what I do. It's like I'm in a race of wanting to be better all the time. It affects my mood severely, and I often overdo things or try too hard to do things to my own detriment. I judge myself on my performance, and I have performance anxiety. Oh, yeah, that's that sounds like a, that sounds like a me there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's there's. Here's the thing: I would actually encourage you to follow the advice that H.E. had. Mm -hmm. Find someone, a trusted someone. Don't don't make it just anybody. Someone whose advice you would trust. That when they say, no, I think this is really good, that you won't argue with them or, or think that they're they're wrong. Someone whose advice you trust and let show it to them. Mm -hmm. Let them tell you with confidence that the thing you're working on is good. And good is is often good enough. You know, especially when you think that this is affecting your mood, that you are overdoing it, that you are pushing it beyond. Remember that that once you hit that point, when you are going past, you're no longer building on something. It's like you're starting to build a building, but each time you get to the top, you start going back to the bottom and pulling out things from the bottom of the building and making it more unstable. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think the second... Not the second. Let me see. I think there's got to be that process of working on your self awareness. In that, when someone gives you, and it's some, it's someone that you trust, and that you really do listen to their advice. If your first instinct is to start defending the choices that you made, you start having mm -hmm. to defend why changes need to be made, why it needs to go in this direction, and there's. And it creates that sort of friction. I think that's a point that really we do have to become aware of in the sense that 
the moment that you do start to feel that you want to say something, maybe take it back and don't hear this person out. Mm. What I did for that particular feeling of not wanting to hear somebody out is I actually listened to the advice, but I would write it down in the moment, put it away. And if I felt that way the next day or in a couple of days, I would bring it to that person and say, okay, so I thought about it. Because we as introverts, sometimes the benefit of being an introvert is taking that time to be able to have to yourself to think about these things, but not think about it as in go into that vortex, reflect on it and think about their advice versus what you're trying to defend and what you're trying to halt in progress. And I think that's going to do you a world of wonder just to be able to see something from the other side, a new perspective. And that halts the defensiveness in, in creative process. I'm just going to jump to it because I have this thought here. Okay. What did I learn? Truly, this episode reminded me of all of the times I never had confidence in myself. I have produced my own work. I have been to wonderful places and met a lot of people. I've had wonderful experiences and I know like I've made it through university doing what I love. I am capable and I do have a skill set. I have a tool belt. I think if I allow myself anymore to go into a perfectionist mood, I am allowing my confidence to falter, my ego take over. I'm on autopilot. I'm not enjoying anything anymore. And mm. I think I'm going to be challenging myself to now start creating work with the intention of saying, you can do this, but you're going to write it down once. You're going to let it go. You're going to come back to it though in a couple of days. And I think slowing down the process in intervals and allowing myself to be present in the work is something that's going to be more mm -hmm. therapeutic in a process rather than trying to get it done going, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And because I, I think that's going to be a quick uphill and then slowly fall right back down into the place I was before. Well, the thing is that 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 is exactly what it is in in his book on writing. Stephen King talks about when he would finish a first draft, he would put it in a drawer and leave it for like two weeks. You need the distance from it before you can come back to it to um, to to really be able to to objectively revise it to read it like it's something that you didn't just write. You'll be one more forgiving. But even if in those moments where you're not more forgiving, you have distance from it. So when something doesn't work, it doesn't hurt as much. Um, and 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 giving time between writing and revising is a, is a, is a super good way to kind of get away from that that perfectionist uh, a zeal for changing. It's kind of like trying to get onto a fad diet, which I do not. I do not like diet culture to begin with, but it's whenever mm. you start that diet, you go all out, you're 100% in, and then it's like a week later, you just crash and it just doesn't work anymore. It's slow, consistent mm. change. That's actually going to where you're going to reap the benefits, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that you are thinking, uh, I would say if you are, if you're sort of like finding yourself, your perfectionist urges kicking in, I would say 
walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Give yourself some space between you and it. And time is the best space where that's concerned. You know, if it's hard, if you're like, oh my God, the deadline is like looming. If you need to take two hours, if you can take a day away from it, that's that's fine. If you could take more, that's better because you will have the distance that you need to to be able to look more objectively at oh, it. That's true. Fresh air never hurt anybody. Go for that's a quick true. walk, five minutes, mm-hmm. just go outside, come back. If Again, if the deadline is pressing, if you got time, time is your friend. Just create a good schedule yes. and stick to it. Don't be Jess and never revisit it ever <laughs> again. <laughs> Listen, what I learned was a lesson. I'm sort of reminding myself of the lesson that I learned long ago, and that is finish. And this is sort of like coming up right now because with a project that I'm currently writing, I've started to hit that, oh, it's not good stage. And so there's like things that are coming up that are like, this would be a good project to write. So what I have to do is I have to write down the idea to put it out there. And then I can, then I have to force myself to go back to what I'm doing. Because um, otherwise, I could go back to the, well, this sucks. I'll throw it out. I'll turn to this new thing and write that till that sucks. And I'll throw that out and then go to the new thing. And nothing ever gets done. I'm going through that right now. Are you? (laughs) With this wine. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that wine will be done. It's just a matter of how. Yeah, exactly. I I didn't do too bad. (laughs) No, you're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. Thanks. Thanks.